You're listening to How You Create with Ben Terry and Joshua John Marie. All right, Josh, I I did a thing, and we're we're now tra- we're now actually recording this after I did the thing. And typically, we're doing like a boys only, where you and I kind of like break down some things that are happening in the news or in creative culture or on the newsletter. You really, that you we really just catch me up on things that I missed, which I yeah. appreciate. Well, and the thing that you missed, amongst other things, is I did an interview <laughs> with uh, Jalil uh, yesterday, actually. And so we're recording this the day after to create the intro for that episode that I just did because we're going to try to put out more interviews now uh, every other week. Yeah. And I seized the moment. I did like a carpe, is it carpe diem? And I seized I the moment. I don't speak French. Is that French? And, what is that? Oh, uh, I... I have no idea. Maybe Latin. Um, But anyways, I did it because I know that you're not following the NFT culture or like everything that's happening in the NFT world. And for the past two months, there's been some momentum again within NFT world through this new thing called open editions. And basically what that means is... For the past two years, NFTs have really focused around doing one-of-one artwork. Right. Or they have been doing these projects where it's like 10,000 PFPs. That's where you see the uh, bored ape images or, you know, there's different rarity. Um, All the different 10,000 images look different. Those have been really popular and a lot of people have made a lot of money and created a lot of communities doing that. This new thing that's kind of taken a lot of momentum is called open editions, where it's actually just one art piece, but they're leaving it open and people can mint or uh, kind of like mint on chain into their wallet a version of that art piece. So for example, let's say that you had a picture of me. Okay. And I was going to create an open edition mint of that one image thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people over a certain period of time can mint that same picture. So when you're saying mint, that is that putting a bid down? Is that owning? Like do several people that's, have? That's basically the transaction that occurs that generates the NFT onto the blockchain to demonstrate that you now own that particular image. So when so, I say so, so so when I say mint, what I mean by that is you go to a website, you say I want this NFT. It's it's there isn't another version of it out there, so I'm going to mint it into existence on chain, which then goes into my wallet. And then when it's in my wallet, I can decide to hold it or I can decide to uh, resell it to other people. But you you own a piece of this larger. No. No. Yeah, so back to my analogy of there's a picture of me. Okay. And I create a website and someone can then mint that image into their wallet. 10,000 people can mint that image and it's all the same image. Okay. But we're now all connected in the sense that we own the same NFT block of that image. And so what's so, crazy about that is the yeah, economics used to be you create these really rare pieces or these one-of-one pieces, and that drives the value up because you want certain NFTs because they have different benefits and uniqueness or rarity aspect to them. Right. Whereas the open edition, there is no rarity or uniqueness. Everyone who minted that open edition NFT piece owns the same looking NFT. So it's almost like... Are people every, excited about this? Everyone has like a Sam's card and all the Sam's cards look the same, but it's a representation that you're a part of that club. Right. And people people have been excited and it's gotten some buzz because they're typically cheaper buy-ins to get into. But this is where it kind of leads into our guest is he was part of one of the projects that became that went viral um, Jalil like is friends with a guy named Jack Butcher and Jack Butcher, uh, did a project called checks. And that project was like a, it was basically just a, a graph of check marks 
based off the Twitter uh, verification checkmark. And he launched it at the time in which Elon Musk was opening yes. up, paying money for verification. So it's an art piece that cost only $8 to do the open edition. And like 16,000 people in 24 hours, because it was only open wow. for like 24 hours, minted that art piece for $8. And I think I think right now, let's look it up. It had gotten up to, to two ETH at one point which would have been about $3,200. Do you think, do you think it took off because of the moment of when it happened? Like with Elon creating this way for people to verify themselves? Yeah. There was like a, um, there was definitely a cultural moment that happened. It was like the right Right time, right right place. Yeah. Yeah. And so like today, if you wanted to buy that, cause you can't mint a new one right now. If you wanted to buy on the resale market, it's two ETH. So, What's that? $3,200, I think, in USD. Okay. And you could have minted it and owned it in the beginning if you were paying attention for $8. Wow. But the reason why there's so much value, because there were 16,000 people that purchased it, uh, Jack and Jalil and some of the other people who worked on the project, uh, they came up with really cool game mechanics where you could actually burn the NFT images to produce a new image. Hmm. And so over time, you can burn so many. If you own a bunch of the checks NFTs, you can burn so many of them and it'll produce like a new version of that NFT that will be very rare and unique to you. So that's what's driving a lot of the price up. Uh, so it's really smart. It's a very, very smart, but simple. And the yeah. place in which they created it was not to make a whole bunch of money. It's just become yeah. an outcome of how smart the piece is. Um, and so anyways, I went ahead and decided to set up an interview and do a podcast episode with Jalil because I knew this was going to be <laughs> like some big brain NFT type stuff. And I don't even, I probably even butchered the explanation that I just gave you. <laughs> and so but what I honestly, did is... Honestly, the Sam's Club analogy was a lot easier to understand than whatever you said before. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of different analogies I could have used, and I'm just shooting from the hip here. But I knew that it would be off the wall, so I actually asked my friend Nico, Nico Camporis, who I've worked with in the past. He's worked on a couple of NFT projects with our friend Jeremy Booth, who we've had on yeah. the podcast before. And Nico actually worked with Jeremy on an open edition NFT project that they did called Boots, uh, where it's like everyone has the same image, same NFT image of Boots. Yeah, um, I actually caught, I caught a, I caught a glimpse of Boots. It's an amazing project. Yeah, it looks great. So Nico's really deep into that world. So uh, Nico Camporis joins me in interviewing Jalil in this week's episode, and Nico's really great. So he works with Jeremy. He's worked with me in the past. He's deep in the NFT world. His day job is actually working at uh, Vayner Three, which is like a a web three agency thing. Um, but yeah, he kind of joins us as a friend on the podcast to kind of dive deep in the NFT stuff. And Jalil, who is our guest, he's actually based in Germany. So it was kind of crazy, like to organize the times they get together. But, um, what I like about Jalil is he, Jalil.eth is like his, uh, handle and, and, uh, he's got like a cool crypto punk, uh, image. He's been in the space for a while. He's a yeah. developer, designer, does websites. Um, he started four companies and they didn't work out. And then once he got into Web3, like a lot of stuff started clicking for him. Uh, and he, you know, he's just a really cool guy. And he's, he took one of Jack Butcher's permissionless uh, courses, where it's basically like proof of work, not don't ask for permission, go prove it through work. And he yeah. basically did some work for Jack and just over time earned the trust of Jack. And now he's like, you know, doing a lot of projects alongside him. But uh, Jalil has his own stuff that he's created, like Scapes. Um, he's been working a lot with NFTs and Web3 and is, and is working on a new startup as well. But what I appreciate is his uh, passion for creativity and for also like starting things and just creating. And uh, no, it's a really fun conversation. He's super nice. Since you have no idea what the conversation was like, I'll be curious to see if what you think after this episode. But 
Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to listen to it. I'm not offended that I wasn't on the show. I'm more You're probably glad relieved. I'm I'm more relieved and I'm glad that people will probably get to nerd out and hear yeah. what Jalil has to say and what you and Nico chatted about. So yeah. I'm excited, man. But in the coming weeks, we'll we'll have some photographers and and some designers from other backgrounds. But this week we're gonna we're gonna dive into NFTs and more specifically Jalil's journey. Uh, his creative journey within the NFT Web3 world. Jalil, thanks for kind of coming on to the podcast and and talking about the it's it's kind of like a, you never know what you're going to get when someone wants to talk to you about nfts you don't know if they're pro nfts or they're like questioning the existence of nfts and if and if they think you're crazy for being in this space or if you're a leader and a futurist to kind of be in it but i'm kind of curious just to start with uh one how does your wife and kids feel about you working in the NFT space? And do they actually understand <laughs> what it is that you do? That is a great question. <laughs> so funny. I mean, so my kids are um, between nine and uh, at least the conscious thinking ones, uh, four. Uh, and we have another little one at, at 10 months old, but of course he doesn't understand. So uh, the kids... Uh, uh, it's funny whenever they see any pixel art whatsoever, because my like first project sort of was pixel art. Um, uh, they, they, they like, Oh daddy, did you do that? So that's hilarious <laughs> and funny when we, when we like, we were at this beautiful art gallery of another NFT project out of, um, Vienna called, um, Wieners, crypto Wieners. <laughs> like, that's a German for from Vienna. Um, and they had a beautiful exhibition in, in Austria and in Linz and the kid, everything was pixelated and it was awesome. And the kids were totally in awe and like thought that I was behind all of it, which of course I wasn't, but yeah, so they love it. It's fun. Um, and it's also like a lot of the art is so approachable for them so they can identify with it. And, and that's cool. Uh, for my wife, um, I have never really, that's a great question. I, 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 <laughs> it's never I come up at the, the dinner table. Part, Oh, I mean, she knows what I'm doing, but um, yeah. I think it's it's um, hard to, um, a lot of it, like, coming back to your question a little bit, right? Looking at the space from the outside, um, uh, a lot of it, we have to be fair, like, it's, it's just insanely stupid and ridiculous, um, a, a lot of, of it. So I think yeah. um, for, for people observing, um, uh, it's hard to... Um, overlook some of the ridiculousness uh of what we're doing at times um yeah so i well, you I, know i think she like appreciates what i'm uh, doing and um uh, of course i'm like there's a lot of like technicalities and stuff that she can be yeah. uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but so i think that's really interesting because you know we were talking like uh you were at a punk's dinner at nft paris or whatever mm-hmm. and there is a lot of hype right now. Like when people see Jalil.eth, like they're like, wow, this guy has made it. But that has not always been part of your story. If anything, you've you've talked about even a year ago how right. like you've had a lot of ups and downs to kind of get to being at a space where you actually felt like this is where I want to create and kind of build and actually feel uh, like people want to work with me in this space. But you've always... You've always had this tension with, have I finally made it? Does this, uh-huh. does che- post checks mean that I finally made it? But before we get into checks and everything else, I'd love for you to kind of walk us through your creative journey, especially as it relates to the start of like Web3 and NFT stuff back in 2021. Yeah, good, good, great. Po- like it is, um, I've been, I've been in Web2 like software development for, like 10 years or close to 10 years um, before um, or well, like eight, nine years before I moved to web three. And um, that definitely like I, um, and then again, props to my wife. So uh, we got married when I was 21 and we had our first daughter when I was 22. So super young, 
like relatively at least to what's common nowadays. So you knew what you, um, did, was that because you knew what you wanted or was that just like it just kind of all happened and you just went with it? No, yeah, I I I I was looking for for it. so um <laughs> one of my friends uh, uh from from here where I grew up, uh, Bernhard, he was um 10 years older than me. So uh, like 29, 30 at the time and he was always telling me how sad and lonely he is that he he doesn't have a wife yet and i was oh, like, no. at like 19 20 years old how oh, damn either i'm gonna find a wife now or i'm gonna end up like bernhardt so <laughs> <laughs> yo that's yeah, crazy so, uh, i i had been looking and and then i found her and it was all wonderful and um yeah so it was a constant and even yeah. having kids like yeah. it was a but, conscious um decision too but yeah I'll, I love how your friends like a case study for like depression and loneliness. And, like, what not to do. <laughs> it's, it's good to have like, uh, um, I get, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. On the other hand, like I, I sort of skipped my entire twenties because of that. Right. Like I, there was nothing really. So I, I started studying right after school. Um, I was into arts and physics. Like that was my two um, things. Mm. Kind of interesting after 10 years, how web three kind of enabled me to unite those interests again. Um, but uh, uh, right after school, I started studying and then after half a year or so dropped out of that with like out uh, university degree and nothing like and then got married, had my kid and sort of like that pushed me into having to work. I wanted to be able to provide blah, blah, blah. Um, but in Germany, 10 years ago, like you, you you're like you, if you don't have a degree, forget it. Like in this, like as a software engineer or, or de even designer or whatever. Like in Germany, everything is like degree based, et cetera, et cetera. So it has been, a, um, a had been or whatever. It, it was a tough journey in the beginning to like get my um, foot in the door and sort of like by um, my self image of like my capabilities and uh, 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 um, competencies was always, I guess, um, it didn't really match what the system like, uh, uh, um uh could could see i guess and so the opportunities i had uh, often were like kind of uh, uh smaller um hmm. that being said um uh, uh it, it's also forced me to like because i didn't want to just like get hired by some agency and do some stupid job and like forced me to to or i i always leaned towards high risk work and, and started one startup after another or joined one startup after another they all failed um and and uh, uh, but yeah so i i had the it was great for me to be able to like express my creativity in in, in like the web 2 space well, I, I completely lost track of the question but yeah so no, it, you're was, doing it was great. tough um uh, often to to because like, like your last one failed because you had a couple of startups because you basically like like you were saying you didn't get a degree so that made it more challenging in germany to find a job so you yeah. did the the smartest thing which was to just create your own job which was to create a couple of startups but then yeah. you talked about the one in 2020 was like the hardest one because you mm. were friends with a partner that you guys have all been working and that was kind of like your you oh, know wow, like, you did some digging <laughs> Yeah. We did some research here to like really, you know, really get into that narrative because I think that was the point in which you decided to kind of jump into Jack Butcher's Visualize mm -hmm. Value courses. And mm -hmm. that that's kind of like a pretty big pivotal moment for where you were to where you were going. So like going back to the Visualize Value, like why did you do that mm -hmm. and how has that kind of like changed your career trajectory to date? Right. So completely right my like throughout the entire um uh like this this my web 2 work i had like startup consulting startup consulting and uh most for the most of it um uh, it was with a long-term friend we're still friends um and like business partner um and we were a great like um match in terms of our our abilities uh together we're like uh really strong like product wise uh, um uh, just the our ability to build stuff i i was always very proud of it and um what the thing that that did though for me was create this dependency on 
on that guy. Um, uh, I always thought that I wouldn't be able to create anything of my own. I always needed him. Um, then, like throughout, the, like me starting my family and growing, that like our our like necessities kind of like went into opposite direction, and that created a lot of friction, I guess. Um, which, in the at the end of it, led to like us having having to to part ways in order to save the friendship, I guess, uh, which worked out. So that's great. But it was a really tough situation for me because for like my entire professional career, I had this like idea in my mind that I'm dependent on his competencies or I need those in order to like build um, build uh, things on the internet. Um, I was always more like the design front-end uh, uh, user interface kind of guy and he did the heavy API stuff or for me back then it was looked heavy. Um, uh, and when, when we parted ways, I was kind of forced to uh, take over like because I just continued basically what we were doing together alone um, to 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 take ownership and responsibility of the entire stack. And that was such a, it took a few months, but it was such a freeing experience to say like, oh, wow, and to realize, first being forced to, um, and then to realize, wow, I'm, I'm actually, um, it's pretty fascinating how far I can, I can push this and how much I can, um, learn, absorb, and apply, and and then actually build, start to finish um, completely by myself. Um, and that was, as you said, the time where I also um, was like listening to a lot of uh, Naval, like founder of um, AngelList, and mm-hmm. um, he had this wonderful podcast. Was extremely helpful to me. And then through that, I found Jack Butcher um, and his work and the beautiful visualizations he. Um, he made based on a lot of the Naval ideas and, and some other stuff, of course, um, was so attracted to that also because like for, I always loved design and art, but never had like then uh, in my professional work, there was a lot of just programming. Um, so never really like got back in touch with my, my art roots or something, if you, if you will. And then Jack, I, I saw that stuff and was like immediately attracted to it. I loved it so much. And um, that's, then kickstarted a friendship between us, and he eventually also pulled me into into Web three. Um, I was I was gonna say like, how do you that that transition from like fan slash advocate to mm. team member? Like I know we say like, oh, then you know we started working together, but like, what was that first like initial conversation? Were you just someone that was like very active in his like community and then you know there was an opportunity and you took it or kind of how did that how did that play out um so there's a short version to that and a, and a longer version uh, which one should I... <laughs> so give okay, it give us the short the... version and then we'll see if the long version's worth going down <laughs> yeah sure all right okay so the short <laughs> version is basically i ended up um he had this beautiful little productivity system which is a one page pdf like daily uh like in the morning make a plan in the evening do some reflection resonated with me also a lot and then i i really wanted to build a digital version of that because like i sort of like the paper stuff is cool but um for me it's it's nice if like monthly goals carry over i don't have to write them down every single day stuff like that so i built a um just a little app version of it um, and sent the com- basically complete application over um, by email. And um, then he was like, that's awesome. Was he already familiar with you? So that, or was this like a cold like the, email? The, 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 in the longer version, so the, the thing is I first sent him an email uh, 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 describing my intent uh, in wanting to build this application. Like, hey, Jack, I love your stuff. I've been like a visualized value community member since the very beginning and uh, love all your stuff and blah, 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 blah. I'm like the software developer and I would love to build a digital version of the Daily Manifest application. Would you be interested in that? Um, and then not understanding really what that sounds like or feels like from the other perspective, right, from his side. Um, and he was really kind in his response. He was like, thank you so much. We have a baby on the way, not really looking to like um, build something out, blah, blah, blah. Sort of a very friendly no. Um, and uh, um, I only later 
realized by actually going through visualized value, one of the core visualized value ideas um, is this idea of the permissionless apprentice. If you have something to offer, rather than ask for permission to be able to do something, prove your worth and just do it um, and, and, and see where that goes. Kind of like a meritocracy, right? Yeah. Like doing like do good work, best idea and wins kind of thing. Some, because, so in my understanding, and uh, I mean, for somebody like Jack in that, in that position, it's like really hard to assess. I get an email from this guy with like a super weird name. <laughs> I have no idea who the F he is. Uh, I have no idea what he's capable of. Um, at that point, it's basically like um, I could be like one of these LinkedIn DMs, you know, he has no context and no idea to what I do. Um, um, and if there's like any like value, like, nothing, if, if we are good uh, communicating with each other, et cetera, et cetera. All the risk is, um, yeah, exactly. All the risk on his like side. He, could, he could just yeah. hire a great agency yeah. uh, in New York uh, around the corner if you wanted to, to, to build it, right? Like how, why do it with me? And then through this permissionless approach where I was like basically a couple of weeks after my, or like a month after my email, I was like, nah, I really want to see it. I want to use it myself. So why don't just build it and send it over? Maybe he'll share it in the community and other people can like use it too. And I'll have a nice like portfolio piece. I have some time on my hand, blah, blah, blah. So I did it. I built it. He was a, like, and that kickstarted our friendship. And then he did share it with the community. Um, also important there, I think, a lot of the time when people do something like this, the first thing they like come up, like they send, send something they built, or maybe it's half built. And then they say, so, um, yeah, here you can use this, but, um, if you want me to like finish it out, it will be like $10,000, blah, 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 or, but, you know, like immediately at, at trying to extract something from it. And, um, um, and maybe just because I enjoyed it so, like I, I, there was just none of that, um, and I didn't have any expectation whatsoever. And I think that sort of um, also continued throughout, like other things that we built over the time. And I think that that really built trust in how value aligned we are. Maybe I guess so. I, I think well, that's it's really interesting to see how he's yeah. like continued to bring you into projects as well. Like, mm. Yeah. So it's fascinating for it kind of started there and now you and Jack have kind of worked on a lot of things and he's actually brought you, he was kind of some of the inspiration or brought you into the Web3 world as mm. well too. And I think that had something to do with like uh, the crypto punks. Is that correct? And you're building out of scapes? So like he knew that like um, I'm interested in crypto um, but I, I took, like, I was super weirded out at the idea of NFTs. I didn't get it at all. Like I thought sort of at, um, I, I don't know what, what I can't even put myself in my own shoes anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh when you first encounter the, the stuff, it's a little odd, right? Like it's a lot, it's a to, lot digest, to digest, especially the high prices often. I, I, I guess if you're not like familiar with, with, the art world per se, or a lot of that has this weird by taste of, I don't know. Um, so it was weird for me. And through his work, like he, he helped me to like get into this. How that started was um, he had, he had some questions about like different protocols and different crypto stuff. And um, either he wrote me directly or there was just conversation in the community. And in that I, I sort of, also make myself help as helpful as I could whenever there was like some interesting conversation ab about some, some, some technology. Um, and I think that also gave him then like the, the, uh, uh, when he, he started working on a collection and like a, pro like he did some one out of one work. Um, and then eventually he started working on an, an, on a proper collection and pulled me in because he knew like, I understand the tech and blah, blah, blah. What I'm seeing, I'm seeing a big connection between your personal experience with Jack and basically checks and like the way you all have orchestrated community design. And what I mean by that is like, you know, there's a lot of like two way engagement, right? So like a lot of the times when you have like big creators, like though, you know, people will post or respond. And a lot of the times like 
they won't interact and they won't be an advocate mm-hmm. for their own community. And I think something that's so special about you two and Chex and everyone else involved is just how much you all have emphasized mm-hmm. two-way engagement, right? Because conversational, right? And so when you allow people to have an opportunity to share their take and to engage with them and to, you know, to advocate and promote that, you know, I mean, if you look at Chex's timeline or your timeline, it's like resharing a lot of like, you know, CCO derivatives and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a beautiful thing. 100%. It like in, invites participation, and I think that's that's one thing that that Jack does incredibly well is is to actively invite that and to share like this the way he shares his stage, for example, with with the people that add value to let's say now checks um, is is fascinating, and I think creates this beautiful dynamic where um, yeah, good 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 work is rewarded. Um, and then then creates like this like cyclical flywheel kind of to just like yeah. creativity. It's, like a, it's yeah. like a pinwheel. Yeah, exactly. It's like a pinwheel like effect with like your like insulated community and then like the rest of the world. And mm. it's like it's cool. It's like a rotating content. You know how I have to think about it often thing. is like what um and I think I can only really I think it's so interesting what NFTs do um for that in the context of art. Um is in software, like 90%, 95% of anything you build will be under the hood, will be open source software. You building on top of what others have built already and like plug and play different libraries and and, and utilizing so much, like the amount of, I I bet like any application that we use, um, the like UI layer, the custom stuff is like probably only like five to 10% maximum of, the actual um, code um, that's that's going into that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, similarly, with with NFTs that are approachable, like like checks, and where like there's no licensing, etc., to it, it creates the same kind of dynamic where it's not that hard to to remix that and to create something interesting and new on top, and then yeah. that create that again is open source, if you will. Uh, uh, yeah. that, like that does two ideas right. what open source development does to software where it like becomes this yeah amazing thing i think hitting on how blockchain can just really take art to a completely different level just thinking about like you know with with jeremy and i when when with our work with boots and then especially you know you and jack with checks just leaning into dynamic mm-hmm. nfts and changing changing the metadata and like back to the point of like extending mm-hmm. conversation and engagement because art is like something that's like everyone has to comment on it and I think when you change the metadata and like the artwork it's very interesting because you can get different reactions from different oh, people yeah. at different times. Every one we, of those changes yeah. like um, sort of instilled a whole new wave of ideas and creativity and um, yeah well we definitely yeah yeah we have to do that a hundred percent. <laughs> that's your dude i think that's your next project is like you just need to document like how this all yeah works. yeah yeah i mean uh, it would be so yeah. fascinating to have like a, a a graph of provenance of all of these artworks and how they connect to each other what inspired what i think artists would be happy to share um the different like well you know what's fascinating about that is that's what art historians do and curators do in like mm-hmm. museums and galleries is they create that narrative that connects all the different contexts to those pieces. And yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I've been reading this book, rereading this book called the gift by Lewis Hyde. And he talks about the commoditization of art and how that actually destroys a lot of the artwork itself and the community kind of built around it where the art is less about the inspiration and the gift and the momentum that it creates and more about like, how can we profit off of this as much as possible? And so I think it's like really fascinating the works that stand out to me in the NFT space. Cause I think NFT culture is actually hurting itself by the way in which it's constantly trying to commoditize artwork, um, trying to maximize profits both from the stakeholders, but then also the creators and the projects that have stood out and I, I'm willing to stand by this. The people who created them tend to have created from a place of, of realizing the gift that the art itself is 
And it was only natural for them to then display that or put that out into the world. So even, mm. and we'll get into checks, but even the fact that Jack did not think through all the different things like royalties or what he wanted to do long-term with the work, but it was just in an expression of the moment in time as it relates mm -hmm. to Twitter verification, I think is a great display of when an artist is true to himself and realize that the art that they created is in and of itself a gift. It's only natural for them to give that out to others and it creates its own momentum and its own com community and it makes the artwork so much more interesting. But when people mm. come from a place at first of like, how do I commoditize? I have this idea, how can I profit? or turn this into a commodity, then it tends to fall flat and it doesn't create the same sort of momentum. But that's very 100%. like big brain, next level type thinking. But before <laughs> we get all into that, we started talking about checks without really diving into that. Cause I know we have a lot of listeners who are skeptical or not even participating yet in NFTs. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Jalil, walk us through like Jack's idea around checks how you got involved and why you wanted to get involved and when and when that happened within the timeline of the of the the birth of checks nft project right. um okay so so oh, everything i say is like my personal take right uh, totally you should probably totally. Get, get jack on also um so to me uh the check mark and so the, the so what maybe like very like what Jack did initially is on I think January third. Um, I'm not quite sure. Uh, yeah, so, it's so, around so, that time. First week. It was like yeah, it was like the same time that like Elon was like announcing the eight dollar Twitter verification mm -hmm. type of thing. Right, right, right. Um, so um, he created a very simple piece of art with like it's basically a postcard with checks on it. On a, on a grid eight by 10 and it has check marks the check symbol that we all know from twitter from youtube from like i guess facebook like all these places that have the verified account uh, uh, twitter being the most uh, notable i guess um when elon musk announced this like everybody will have to pay for twitter blue to get the check mark and then the description of that check mark you hover over it it, it, it would say um, this account may or may not be notable, um, which is really yeah. a nothing burger. Yeah, it's, you it's know, like, what is that even? <laughs> um, I, and I think that was for people who were previously uh, uh, um, pr who previously were verified by by Twitter. Um, so a really funny sort of his commentary, in a way, I guess, um, on on uh, the idea of notability. Well. Introducing then the the Twitter blue thing where everybody can just pay eight bucks to be verified um, uh, led to Jack asking the question through his art um, what is notability and who decides what is notable right mm -hmm. so the description of the artwork itself was this artwork may or may not be notable and it's just a very abstract modern um, uh, uh, sort of um, posing a question, I guess, um, as a, as an art piece, and um, he just uh, 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 created that as a as a um, uh, purchasable uh, NFT, which means it's a like a to it, it, there's a token tracking the ownership of this on the Ethereum blockchain, and he allowed anybody to buy this NFT for eight dollars, which is the same price as, as Twitter Blue. And there wasn't um, like a there wasn't like a cap. It was an open edition. No cap. Yes. And it so, was and it was like twenty four hours that it, it was, was left open. One day, twenty four hours okay. open edition exactly. So um, at this point, he, were you familiar with the project no, at all? Not okay. at all. I was for the first time in like two years or so. I was offline entirely at my brother's wedding, um, and I had no idea about any of this going on. Um, and uh, uh, I only learned a few days after on my flight back to Germany. Um, <laughs> and when I landed, I had a DM from Jack and he, he sent me a bunch of Czech stuff and a few of his ideas and asked me to if I can help him. Um, yeah, and so I didn't mint any. I didn't buy any at that, t at that time. Um, I, I only learned about the project a few days after it, it, um, it started. The... The crazy thing was, I think, like 
So the funny thing is, um, and I experienced that with a derivative of mine also, you put something out, you post it on, on Twitter, like as just an image, right? And you say, this artwork may or may not be notable in this case, exactly, right? And the thing gets like, I don't know, 160, 200 likes or whatever. You would think that in this like attention economy, when you get 200 likes on a Twitter post, how many people will buy the piece of art? Maybe five to 10% of that, right? Like, what do you expect? So, <laughs> yeah, the purchase funnel yeah. is So that's tiny. what you would expect coming from like Web2 kind of understanding of, 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 of conversion rates and whatnot. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, 200 likes in Web3 is like a thousand minutes. So I've that heard. thing ended up, it's fascinating to see how these like crypto NFT network effects, um, uh, as soon uh, like how they work basically, like as soon as a few people start purchasing this, like other like tracking site and uh, blockchain scanning sites, they, they like show like there's a hundred people that just bought this NFT and that creates attention from again, other people in the space, like wanting, want to, to, to look what that, check out what that is, etc. Um, that thing has 200 likes or whatever, and um, I don't know the exact number, but something like like that, but had 16,031 purchases. So 16,031 times, somebody bought this postcard for $8, which is, I mean, that amounts to like 100 something, 110, $120,000, yeah. which already like think about just that alone, what that, it, I mean, what the, people don't understand how big the internet is and how <laughs> amazing, like you're an artist selling a $10 postcard uh, at this like coffee shop around the corner. Um, that, that's cool. You can also sell, sell it on the internet. You don't even have to print it. Other people will happily like attach right. themselves to your art because they like you yeah. for what, like yeah. whatever the reason may like. Um, uh, so for an artist, I, I like, I completely underestimated that dynamic also because a lot of the NFT culture is like, it has to be rare. It has to be limited. Um, uh, it can't be two of the same. Um, so he really like sort of tackled right. those ideas and, and questioned even these ideas with that, with that particular dev. There have been other open editions before and Jack had been uh, doing other open editions before. Um, but this one was like the biggest, uh, um, right. And then, um, yeah, so you so, had the so flight. very interesting so you, to see. So you had the flight, you get the DMs from Jack about this project, mm -hmm. and then what was the first project that you started working on for him with? Because at this point, you know how to do smart contracts. Mm -hmm. You're a developer. You know how to build things within the Ethereum and the blockchain space. What did he yeah. have you do and get involved in within the Chex project? So in the beginning, it was just, an exchange of ideas. He sent me um, his initial idea. What, what, um, like how? To, so, um, sixteen thousand people buying this NFT, like, sort of begs the question: Hey, can can you do something with this? That's like bu builds on top of all of this interest, and in, in, like in 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 an interesting way. Um, and he had a few ideas um, around. A mechanic how to reduce the amount of tokens that are available and create like new sort of more rare one out of one art in, in the process um, and he basically he shared those with me and there was just a bunch of ideating going back and forth on different um, uh, spins on that idea um, uh, uh, sort of figuring out how that would um, uh, kind of creating out. the game mechanics of it all yeah and finding like finding interesting um uh, uh like sort of artistic interpretations and explanations uh uh in hindsight about about like some numbers um uh that were like for example this in this on this initial postcard there was 80 check marks and then Jack uh, went on Wikipedia and found interesting facts about the number 80 and how it has <laughs> all these. Uh, so 80 is what they call a semi-perfect number. Um, a semi-perfect number is when a bunch of divisors of the number, when you add them up, it is the number, you get the number again. So 
uh, divisors of 80 is uh, 40, 20, 10, 5, 4, and 1. And if you add those together, 40 plus 20 plus 10 plus 5 um, uh, plus 4 plus 1, you get 80 again. Um, mm. So just like these funny little experiments and, and like... My, yeah, it's, it's very like, thematic. Figuring out interesting stories thematic, yeah. And then that's like all of these little things sort of informed the yeah. storytelling of then what later became like this uh, this game of checks that we now have. Um, from, from the outside looking in, it looked like a lot of it was just kind of like happening in real time, like open building. Like I know like the Jack's like ongoing thread of like transparency time and then like proceeding to like talk yeah. about the next iteration. So like if you were to like percentage wise, like how much of this is like was pre-planned and then how much of this is like literally like some people, enough people on Twitter reply and say you should do X or Y or Z, and then you're like, shit, that's actually a good idea. And then like you go to the, the drawing board. Yeah, and I think most that. of it is, is that. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of yeah. like ideating um, in real time. Yes. Uh, um, I mean, Jack has has sh shared this. Uh, so, like, but I mean, at the end of the day, he ha he has to say I mean, maybe he has like is this has all this had all this thought out uh, uh, prior to to the additions um, to the checks mint and and just sort of played <laughs> played it all like he played but, into um, our hands. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yeah. It was definitely like I don't think he has think... any idea that like you know you don't know when you put art out. Um, yeah. Maybe ten people buy it. Maybe a hundred people buy it. Um, uh, maybe a thousand. But you have just no idea right and and then um so the, all of these little the number of tokens like he had no control over that Sixteen thousand mm. people minting that like how do you control it it's just 24 hours and and then often like at the end of something like this in the last few hours it really heats up so um and and you can see in his like initial mint announcement he like added tweets um during those 24 hours being like amazed at how many events <laughs> are coming in himself. Um, so yeah, I think, I, and then also during the development, a lot of, exactly. It was a ping pong with the community, public uh, transparent sharing of what we were building and then gathering feedback and yeah. incorporating that. And that's so inherently web three, right? Like emphasizing mm -hmm. co-creation because like the way I see it is like, I feel like you all created like a moment and then by inviting the community mm -hmm. it became a movement which is yeah. really interesting and i think that's just something that's only possible yeah. through like open building did you feel in my mind pressure? basically the biggest innovation of the project uh, uh, uh two things one that's like creating the storytelling constant conversation by updating the metadata of the initial token that is like i think something completely new and sort of mind shifting for the entire nft space that you can even do that um both from a moral perspective um i guess uh, um uh, can you change something that other people bought off you sort of yeah. um, and a technical perspective and then this transparent sharing uh, thing and this big thread and also decisions like not having a closed community for holders and like doing the discussions in there um, rather doing it on this open platform where anybody can like participate, um, w whether they hold the token or not. Um, I, I think like um, that is the, the big sort of, for me at least, that was a big mind shift and like, wow, that really creates a new dynamic where people start rather than like hanging out in the Discord, they start truly participating, creating new art, Taking, making their own spins, etc. If you make that the like the definition of what it means to be part of this project, then that's what you that's what you get from people um, when they get excited about it, right? So, and that's the first time at least I have experienced something like this on the scale, at least. Yeah, that's interesting. Something you said really quick, just about about like the like technically like dynamic NFTs have been around, right? But it's like the unforgivable sin in like 2021 was mm. updating the metadata 
to your token. Like it was yeah. very taboo. It was very unwelcomed. And it, it is just interesting, like, you know, open edition season 2.0, like the, the posture is just completely shifted because like now people are starting to view art as like, like we said before, it's not just like a single like individual like moment, but it can become a movement. And I think dynamic yeah. NFTs enable that. So it is interesting though, because people definitely used to yeah. not like yeah. them. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, uh, Jalil, what was the experience working on the Zora protocol? And what were some of the technical challenges that you all faced as you continued to try to expand the Chex universe with like the burn mechanisms and the changing of the metadata? Like, has that all gotten pretty easy? Because there's a lot of tools out. I remember like people minting like a year or two ago, they had to have their own website and they had to have an mm -hmm. engineer developer creating the contract. Now there's mm -hmm. a lot of plug and play tools available for NFT creators. Like walk us through some of the technical aspects of working with Zora protocol, some of the technical challenges you all had to overcome and then also like how you're doing everything on the, the visualized value site for the burn mechanism. Right. Um, so with the, in, in regards to the checks, I didn't really have any um, participation really in the creation of the Zora yeah, edition. You were right? at a wedding. So I was like, right. Um, uh, <laughs> you're like three years deep at the wedding. Yeah. You but you no came back. <laughs> Something like that. But, but no, when no, you came no, back, no. you yeah, had to yeah, you so. had to work with that protocol, correct? No, so not not really. Um, okay. Because the, the most of the work I did, so a lot of it was a smart contract, and then of course the like website, the application where you do the burn and the migration, etc. The smart contracts that I made are completely separate from anything Zora related. They just they. What they do is they they um, sort of you as the owner of the Zora based NFT and Zora is this platform that makes it super easy for creators to create collections um, and and like they're great they're amazing and they have such awesome creator tools and there's another one that was really big during the last few months um, uh, called Manifold and these applications really enable anybody to like you have an idea. You push it out and and see what, what if if other people like it. I guess even I like as a um, I value the act of writing custom smart contracts. I think that's that's awesome. Um, but with like a couple of derivatives that I made around the checks theme, um, I also just like log it into Zora, uploaded the image, set my description, and off. Yeah, it's, it's so seamless, it's so easy, and. Um, uh, it, it's just great, um, but for the like the big innovation or or the, the, like the the big uh, on chain project that we then based off of the checks editions that were on Zora, we created a, our own custom set of smart contracts. Um, the only thing that they sort of did with Zora is they hook into the Zora smart contract take ownership of your NFTs and burn them, meaning they send them to like Nirvana, blockchain Nirvana, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they send them to the, to the zero address. Right. Call it, yeah, zero, yeah, zero, yeah. zero, zero, so, zero, zero. Uh, nobody yeah, yeah. has access to that address. So you regard tokens that are attached to that address as like sort of burned. Um, so we take, we take these initial NFTs that you bought off of Jack and we burn them. And then this new smart contract issues new tokens based on uh, on the on the number of tokens that you burned, um, and and you get new on-chain um, originals. We call them. So we have the additions where all images are the same, and Jack has the ability to update the metadata, um, so they are mutable. And then we have um, these on-chain immutable tokens where the owner, if they want to, they can decide to migrate their tokens and get these on-chain originals where each token is its own unique piece of art uh, generated by that smart contract without any influence from Jack or myself. Um, it's completely out of our hands and anybody else's hands. It's, um, and, and then sort of, I, I view a lot of the Czechs theme as like education of, 
technicalities or values around in crypto. And um, the first part of that story, in my opinion, is like understanding, oh, um, uh, the like they can be arb arbitrary little programs um, that that enable the owner to change the art. Um, uh, it, 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 what you get isn't necessarily an image. What you get is like this proxy to an idea, if you will, um, that you can attach yourself to if you like the artist. Um, you can participate in this ongoing story if they want to, like update metadata and stuff like that. Um, so uh, that is the first part of that. And then another set of like OG crypto values is you get something, it's yours. Um, nobody can take it away from you. Uh, it's, it, it will stand the test of time. There is no dilution. There, like the, the rules are set. What you, what you get into is what it stays at. And that's the story that we're telling with these originals where um, you, you migrate them and then it's completely, we're out of the picture and uh, the, it's all on the completely entirely on the Ethereum uh, blockchain. There's no outside, um, like a lot of NFTs linked to an image that's just hosted on a server. And with the originals, they're generated on chain by the smart contract. So really, as long as the Ethereum network, which is a highly decentralized network with nodes all over the world, only if that were to go down, you would sort of lose the art. So it was important for us to create something that is completely independent of any company or, or, or other servers, websites, etc., um, and you can just use the barebone smart contract and I'll stay there and be available forever. Um, even with like with us having zero control over anything. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, let's get a little bit into, well, one, I want to kind of ask, like, I know we've asked a lot of questions around checks and your relationship with Jack. Like, how do you feel? Do you ever feel this tension of like being on Jack's team? Like, or this pressure to like, you know, when's, when's it going to be Jalil's project or thing that people were kind of <laughs> asking about and not necessarily like, do you wrestle with that tension at all? Or has the reception been overwhelmingly uh, positive? Um, I th it has been overwhelmingly positive. I don't have any uh, problem whatsoever standing in, in like Jack's uh, shadow, if you will. This is his baby, and I'm so honored that he invited me to be a part of it. Um, uh, so, so yeah, for me personally, nothing like that. Uh, just uh, gratitude, I guess. Um, yeah. So I did have a couple, or mainly like one project that I had been sort of doing and maintaining for the better of one and a half plus years uh, before checks, um, and what's like what was very interesting for me prior to checks, I was of the stance that I sort of can never ever do any other project um, as like an NFT collection or an art project because it would like sort of the the community that has formed around this. So prior to this, I had this like project of ten thousand little landscape paintings uh, as a collectible. And a whole bunch of stuff that we built there. Um, I, I built this small team and uh, just lots of fun. But I had this idea that I will never be able to do anything else um, without hurting that community or coming across like a, ro a, rock, a rock pull in the space is like this idea of like founders quickly making a buck and then running away. Even though like we've been working on it for really, I've been full time on this for close to two years. Um, I, I still had this angst that if I would do anything else, it would look bad to the community or I would get like annoyed comments or whatever. Really, probably maybe a couple, but uh, uh, what really happened is through checks, I got so much. Jack has been so unbelievably generous with like sharing the spotlight. And for example, the transparency thread, he would always like, hey, this is a new development of Jalil's, check this out, blah, blah, blah. Um, that created so much like exposure for me. And then people through that found previous work and, and got interested into that. And, and actually, so we got a bunch uh, uh, new members in, the, in, in this little, we call it, scapes um, community 
um, uh, uh, much like much more activity actually than the months before. So a very cool realization for me to like lean into creativity and lean into creating things, um, and not being so afraid of uh, of of like new experiments and uh, uh, seeing like where this goes. Yeah, that's really cool. If that makes sense. So I I was a little bit of afraid. But um, uh, didn't didn't like complete opposite happened basically, where yeah. it was. I think it was a great thing also for the skates that I did that stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I am so appreciative of your time and like you kind of sharing a little bit of your journey and story. And I know you are in so many like different circles now within the NFT space, and everyone's always trying to figure out what's going to happen next. What does the future mm. look like for NFTs? Like. If I know we're all kind of feeling in the dark here and the the, re the reality is no one knows what's going to happen. Uh, that's like the hidden secret of the NFT Web3 world is no one knows what they're doing or what's going on. But like if you had to make some guesses, like what do you think the future of NFTs will look like this year and beyond? Like what are some of the things that you would make a bet on or that you're excited about? Ooh, great question. Oh, it's impossible to say, right? Yeah. Um, what I would hope I guess is I think um, and of course I'm, I'm biased with uh, have, with working on checks but I think checks as a as a project and as a meme like sort of really has the power to change the perception and um, uh, 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 of what nfts are actually about in terms of communicating an idea and then allowing people to really attach themselves to that. Um, and it's so abstract. To expound upon that, I actually think it's expanding people's concept of what an NFT can be. Yeah. So, Cause like for a long time, people would say yeah. NFT, they would say, Oh, the picture of the monkey exactly. or are the, yeah. Or it has to be yeah. completely unique. So like, I think if anything, now it's right. expanding our definition and experience of like, okay, so NFTs aren't just this, it's it's a method to another type of end and the creator kind of gets to set those parameters or gets to set what that experience is going to be like. And I think you're right. I think Jack kind of expanded that imagination, so to speak, around what NFTs can be and what they can look like and how what worked in the past, like rarity or 10,000 10, PFP projects doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's always going to look like in the future. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, I think there's so much more to explore with that. Um, like oh, so much this power to sort of create systems where people can aggregate and form little communities. It's, it's, it's hard to explain unless you experience it, what it means yeah. to like own something and be a part of, of something. It's very weird. Um, I think to what was very weird for me to judge from the outside and only really clicked when I started participating um, with, which with, with something like, like checks is great because the cost of entry is so low or was so low in the beginning. Right. So yeah. uh, things like that, I think it has a lot of potential to like, there's there's so much potential to to continue exploring this um and what we can build it how we can like encourage um little like or organization structures that that have a purpose or, or a goal um uh, uh in, in in the context of maybe checks or or something around checks so there's a lot of stuff to to still explore there where i want to be a, a, have an active role in um, definitely. And in regards to the wider space, I think as well, yeah, quest question um, what 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 this is actually about and what it actually enables us to do in terms of like um, passing these tokens around um, the story that creates by tracking the provenance of things. Um, uh, and it's I so think exciting. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of like also application wise right now the nft space is very much focused on price and price action and like i buy something in order to sell it blah, 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 blah. like all like the the interfaces that we have are basically marketplaces and wallets mm. and um 
And I find it very interesting to kind of figure out how to create better tools for storytelling that are similar to you walking through a museum than what you mentioned uh, uh, in the beginning of this, where you said like, that's yeah. what art curators do, telling yeah. these, these provenance stories. I think that's, that's to me is really exciting. Like how to, how can we sort of um, showcase this in a digitally, digitally native format, but with less focus on, um, on, on the like trading aspect of this. On the commoditization. It all goes back yeah, to the exactly. Gift. It's uh, less yeah. on the commodity of art and more about the gift that art is both to the mm -hmm. artist and to the community at large, which is a great place for, yeah. us to, yeah. for us to kind of end. Uh, Jalil, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we'll drop all your your links in our newsletter for people to kind of follow. But yeah, awesome. uh, definitely follow Jalil on Twitter at Jalil underscore ETH. Uh, dude, thanks again for jumping on the podcast with us. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Nico.